Thank you for choosing Tox News, a Portum Rebellion broadcast. I am your host, unnamed man in a box. Box being your phone or whatever screen you may be watching this on on YouTube. We have a show for you today. And rather than telling you the agenda, I'd rather just get into it. It seems trending right now. Is Trump conceded? The Daily Mail reports Trump appears to admit there will be a Biden administration for the first time. So, um, yeah, Trump probably still keeping the grift up regardless of his tweet saying, quote, now that the Biden administration will be a scandal-plagued mess for years to come, it is much easier for the Supreme Court of the United States to follow the Constitution and do what everybody knows has to be done. They must show great courage and wisdom. Save the USA! Unquote. Which is funny because, like, the Trump administration was just plagued by scandal after scandal, so it's, it's just so funny when he says, like, something like that because it's... It's him projecting, you know, and we've had this conversation in previous episodes how Republicans, conservatives are always accusing Democrats of, you know, the exact shenanigans that they themselves partake in. So I've always just found that pretty humorous. And uh, so Trump conceded is now trending. Um, I do have this article. I have a couple of articles that I want to get into before one video segment, which I think is what today is going to be about. And it begins with CNN reporting a Florida man just paid off the past dues for 114 families at risk of having their utilities shut off. Now, it's not very normal on this news channel or this podcast that we uh, cover anything from CNN, mainly because it's liberal and, uh, you know, they do have their liberal biases and so much so that they are probably going to be defendants in the Biden administration. But um, to be perfectly honest, there's just like not quite as much damage that they cause compared to the right wing media. Um, But, you know, even weirder is that we have good news. We have good news to report. And so the article says, a Florida business owner who was once down on his luck is giving back by covering the utility bills of 114 families who were facing disconnection. Michael Esmond's generosity started last year when he paid the utility bills of 36 households in his community of Gulf Breeze. This year, with both Hurricane Sally and COVID-induced economic turmoil hitting the city, he thought he needed to up the ante. Quote, this year to me probably is more meaningful than that last year with the pandemic and all the people out of work having to stay home. Esmond told CNN, Hurricane Sally slammed us pretty good and hurt a lot of people. We still have a lot of the blue roofs here where they're just covered with tarps, unquote. Esmond donated $7,615.40 to pay the past due bills of 114 households, according to Joanne Oliver, the city's utility billing supervisor. Holiday cards notifying the residents will be mailed this week, she says. While Esmond's uh, donation increased from 4600 he paid last year, he says he was able to help about three times as many households. That's because there were many residents who had bills due of $100 or less, so he was able to help more people. Quote, that really impacted me that people can't even afford to pay a $100 bill on their utilities and things are so bad, 
Esmond said. That's why I was able to pay for 114 families. Business was good in 2020 for 74-year-old Esmond, owner of Gulf Breeze Pools and Spas. It's something he says he's almost ashamed to tell people because he knows how hard it's been for many. We've had a good year, and that's why I want to share what I have with people who need it, he said. Beyond the coronavirus pandemic's economic toll, Gulf Breeze has dealt with the lingering effects of Hurricane Sally, which hit the panhandle pretty hard. A storm-related accident damaged a section of the newly built mm, Pensacola, Pensacola Bay Bridge that connects to Gulf Breeze, authorities said in September. A barge slammed into... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to read the rest of this uh, specifically, but um, I just find it very fascinating that um, one selfless individual... Um, helped 114 families when he didn't need to um you know because of there's n no incentive other than the um selflessness that resides in his heart but it's just unfortunate because we have been or you know people have been pressuring congress to get something passed say you know 1200 dollars stimulus checks so that people can pay these bills and now we're seeing average citizens footing the bills for others and that's not necessarily how things should be i mean i'm gonna praise the mutual aid here but i'm not really gonna be that proud of the situation because this should have been something that the government took care of for more than 114 families because there's more than 114 families that are going through this exact predicament so I just wanted to start there to let you know that not all business owners are uh, selfish, greedy capitalists. Some of them actually feel concerned for the other lives that are happening around them. Unlike the next two articles that I am going to bring up here. First one coming from Business Insider. Oh yeah. Facebook reportedly told its ad reviewers to ignore fraud and hacked accounts as long as Facebook gets paid. Uh, I'm only going to read some of this because the video we're going to get into is a bit long. Maybe I'll just do the bulletin points here. Facebook told workers to ignore fraudulent ads and hacked accounts as long as the company gets paid, BuzzFeed News reported Thursday. BuzzFeed News investigation revealed how Facebook consistently prioritized making money over protecting users from scams, hackers, and disinformation. I do not want notifications from random websites. Thank you very much. Ahead of the U.S. elections in November, Facebook even told its ad reviewers to focus on selling political ads over looking for the ones that broke its rules, according to the report. Facebook has made repeated promises to crack down on users and advertisers who break its rules, but dozens of reports in recent months have exposed that the company continues to fall short on those promises. Um, and I'm just going to say because they want to save face in the public eye, but what they actually do privately, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is always willing to weigh out how much of a backlash he's going to suffer from the media when he makes his decisions. And I think, you know, I covered this back in the summer um with you know facebook's rampant fake news and um what was the other one uh, you know they had QAnon on there for a while but they do host a wider range of right-wing groups on there that become echo chambers and community bubbles in themselves and you know facebook really isn't that concerned with connecting people so much as it is just making money and you know collecting data on its users so, you know, with that being aware, Facebook is more concerned about getting paid than any kind of social responsibility that it may have. 
So while we have one businessman helping 114 families, we have Facebook slowly fucking over yours. Just saying. Uh, the next article here says, ex-Apple employees say company ignored China labor laws. So again, we had... Oh, I exited the wrong page. We had uh, one selfless businessman, small business owner, actually, who went out of his way to help 114 families keep their utilities, lights, and gas on so that they could have electricity and heat. And we have these big corporations finding a myriad of ways to fuck over the little guy. Oh, it's just, it's so wonderful, you know? But uh, let's just read a little bit here. A dispatch worker law led to studies, debate with an apple, but not enough action. And this comes from ARS Technica, I believe was the name of this website. And the author is Samuel Axon. Um, we're just going to get brief summary here because, you know, overall, I don't want to get into the subject too much because it's not really that big of a surprise that, you know, a U.S. company would take advantage of foreign labor laws to have uh, cheaper labor, labor that doesn't necessarily have unions or rights. Uh, it's not anything new since the age of outsourcing. But it says here, a new report in the information cites both former Apple employees and the company's internal presentations and data to make the case that Apple has failed to keep its manufacturing partners in China accountable after the Chinese government passed a new law limiting the use of temporary workers at factories. The former Apple employees included three from Apple's supplier responsibility team and one who was, quote, a senior manager familiar with its operations in China, unquote. In the mid-2010s, China introduced a new labor law that required factories to limit the portion of their workforces made up of temporary workers, also called dispatch workers, to 10%. The labor law was meant to uh, was meant in part to improve working conditions and stability for Chinese workers. Data showed that many temporary workers, often students working between school sessions, had been victims of exploitative practices. This posed a challenge for tech companies like Apple, which work with manufacturers like Pegatron or Foxconn to assemble vast numbers of workers to mass produce smartphones and other products in the months leading up to their launch, a process dubbed a quote ramp unquote. The workers are then not needed once the desired volume has been reached. So quote, these suppliers might shed as much as two thirds of their workforce as demand slows unquote. Most major tech companies lean on these or similar manufacturers and their temporary workers to launch products like this. But the article in the information indirectly suggests that Apple is particularly prone to this process because of the nature of its product marketing and launch strategy, which the company repeats each year and which is rooted in a template defined by deceased CEO Steve Jobs many years ago. From the report, it says, our surprise and delight business model requires a huge volume of labor for only a short period of time as we ramp products, according to an internal Apple presentation in 2015. Quote, we are making it difficult for our suppliers to comply with this law as 10% dispatch is simply not enough to cope with the spikes in labor demand we require during our ramps. When the dispatch worker law was passed in 2014, Apple surveyed 362 factories with which it worked in China and concluded that almost half of them were not compliant. It then asked its suppliers, over which it has substantial leverage, to propose plans for cutting down the amount of temporary workers to achieve compliance by a March 2016 deadline set by government authorities. But according to the report, the goals were not met. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yep. 
shady business practices do not bring surprise even though china did try to you know implement regulation of course apple's going to do whatever it can to ignore such regulation i mean i've worked for small businesses that do the same thing with the regulations that go on in the united states so big business fucking over the little guy while the little guy is helping uh as many vulnerable families as they possibly can this is america this is america um and the reason why i brought those up is because this right here right here all right public citizen here has stayed pretty consistent with its uh i guess watchdog being a watchdog on uh capitalism let's see they're their bio of their profile specifically says public citizen has been standing up to corporate power and holding government accountable for 49 years where people powered and accept no corporate money. And here they say Elon Musk got $118,500,000,000 richer during the pandemic. Jeff Bezos got $71,400,000,000 richer during the pandemic. Bill Gates got 20 million 700 uh, nope sorry 20 billion 700 million richer during the pandemic and uh i had talked i think in the previous episode about how the uh billionaires in america all 651 of them somewhere around there 650 and above um could give every single american a one-time three thousand dollar check and still have much of their gains that they got since the beginning of the pandemic. So underneath those figures of how much Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Bill Gates made during this pandemic, uh, they report 54 million Americans are going hungry. 40 million face eviction and 3000 are dying per day. And I believe that they're referencing the coronavirus because that those are the numbers that we have reached in the United States. And I think it is also reported today that uh, the amount of Americans that have died from coronavirus has actually exceeded the number of troops that died in World War II, American troops. So um, we're really seeing like this egregious contempt for regular American citizens who either have to pull themselves up by their bootstraps or can only expect their neighbors to maybe help them along the way. Um, Bernie Sanders here put up an interesting tweet that says wages subsidized by the government during pandemic. And it says that Canada is doing $2,000 a month. Wages subsidized by the Japanese government are up to 100%. Sweden is up to 90%, Germany up to 87%, France up to 84%, uh, Britain up to 80%, Italy up to 80%, United States, zero. Bernie Sanders also said, that is an international embarrassment. The working class needs our help now. And I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I completely wholeheartedly agree. Now, I had seen a Charlie Kirk tweet that I want to acknowledge. Now, remember those figures, all right? Canada is giving $2,000 a month to their citizens, and other uh, nations are keeping up with subsidizing their ro uh, their their paychecks in order for them for for their citizens to have money. What did Charlie Kirk say here? Well, he tweeted, Andrew Cuomo is the highest paid governor in America right now. Retweet 
if he shouldn't receive a single dime while his lockdowns keep millions of New New Yorkers from earning a paycheck. Now, what stuck out to me here, first of all, was the earning a paycheck. Because, obviously, we could pay Americans to stay home during a pandemic. We could. But we'd rather focus our billions, if not trillions, of dollars bailing out corporate interests. Those who already sit upon millions and billions of dollars. So I find it very fascinating here that Charlie Kirk takes time out of his tweeting day to focus on Andrew Cuomo when we have a Congress that is so ineffective that 54 million Americans are starving during our uh, so-called prosperous holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Thanksgiving being the one where you stuff your face as much as you can with food. And Christmas being the stock your uh, stuff your stockings as much as you can with commodities. So while we're still celebrating these luxurious holidays in a post-scarcity society, um, we have 54 million Americans going hungry. 4 million expecting eviction. And Charlie Kirk is only focusing on one governor of one state. It is a systemic issue. Charlie Kirk is of Turning Point USA and is in the right-wing echo chamber, mostly having his outreach to the youth. So I just wanted to highlight there that this is what they are focusing on rather than the entirety of America. Uh, It's just uh, partisan hackery is what I would honestly call it. So what else did I want to grab here? Oh, just real quick, just real quick. I don't even want to read the article, but I just want to read the headline because it's awesome. Now, there's still a... uh, attempt from texas the attorney general from texas to sue uh four states at the supreme court to try and overturn the election but one of the not this has nothing to do with that case but there was a different case dealing with pennsylvania and the supreme court rejected republican push to overturn biden win in pennsylvania reports cnbc i think that's awesome i think that's fucking hilarious because trump appointed like three justices. The Supreme Court on Tuesday turned back an effort by Republicans to reverse President-elect Joe Biden's victory in Pennsylvania. The top court rejected a petition from Trump ally U.S. Representative Mike Kelly, a Pennsylvania Republican, who argued that virtually all of the state's mail-in ballots were unlawful. And that's basically what the, the case is for those other four states. So this in itself is already kind of a sign how that case from Texas is going to go. Now, the move closes off one of President Trump's last remaining paths to overturning the results of the 2020 election in court, even as some far-fetched legal cases remain in the works. And I, you know, I, I'm only aware of the Texas case. And so, um, that one's probably going to fail as well, but I just wanted to read that real quick because it's kind of juicy. It's kind of juicy. I like it. That's some juicy steak right there. Um, so, you know, get out of that what you will. Um, we, uh, have to, Uh, overcome Trump. And then after that, let's just, you know, seriously consider uh, redistributing wealth to the most common good because it's being concentrated at the top, the wealthiest, the most selfish, the most Ayn Randian motherfuckers that live in this country. So I think it would be very interesting experiment if we could see what would happen. And I'm just saying what would happen if we gave direct democracy and the means of production to every American citizen? I'm just floating that out there. Just 
just floating it. And then I just want to check this real quick. Uh, coming from the conservative subreddit, Tulsi Gabbard branded transphobe after introducing Bill to restrict women's sports to biological women. Um, yeah, it is like extremely transphobic to spend your last weeks in Congress, which it is Tulsi Gabbard's last weeks in Congress, to ban transgendered people from participating in sports. Um, I understand that there's these um, cases that physically a man will always outdo a woman and a woman will always outdo a man. Or, you know, uh, basically a man will always outdo a woman is the whole argument here. I don't know why I said that second piece, but the whole idea is that men shouldn't be allowed to uh, enter sports with women because it's completely unfair to the rest of the competitors, even though um, a lot of people going through transition have a lot of the same hormones in their body as biological sex females I'm, I'm it's not down to an exact science but you know they try to get the full on um hormone and chemical balance going on in there um and i'm a bit ignorant on the subject so pardon me if i sound stupid but that's what happens when I get into a realm that's not necessarily mine. But the Defense Women's Sports Act, which Gabbard introduced Thursday with Representative Mark Wayne Mullen, attempts to level the playing field in women's sports, recognizing that different genders are born with different uh, physical abilities. And yeah, so I just find it very interesting because... Uh, what I had just done earlier, 54 million Americans hungry, 4 million expecting eviction... 3,000 dying per day, and Tulsi Gabbard focuses on kicking transgender people out of sports. And I just want to highlight here, I can't remember exactly what sport it was, but there was a U.S. Olympian who had to return her medals because her natural testosterone level was too high. So she wasn't even a transgendered woman. She just had testosterone that was above average for women, and thus had to return her medal. So I see this weird sip, slippery slope that we're going down here. That like if you don't fit these uh, these uh, biological constraints, then you can't participate in these certain sports. And um, of course, I'm just really trying to focus out here that Tulsi Gabbard is um, transphobic for sure. Because for you to focus on this just before you leave your uh, congressional seat, that's that's some really weak weak sauce right there and i really wish her priorities were not focused on uh trans people uh, especially like uh discriminating against them with legislation <sighs> yep so i i would expect you know and i've seen it floating around like it would be pretty funny that if like tulsi gabbard ended up running for a republican seat in 2024 either as, either as president or some other nonsense but um yeah tulsi gabbard uh, I, I think I talked about her last episode and how I don't like that she's a part of a cult. But uh, yeah, that's it does even more worse for me that her last weeks are spent on kicking trans women out of women's sports. When we could be doing these, you know, hormone levels as if that's really going to let us know people should or shouldn't be participating in the 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 which gender side they are on you know it's just it's uh semantics on the level of uh discrimination that's really all it is it's splitting hairs just to find the trans person and be like get the fuck out 
Alrighty, and then I wanted to get in this video real quickly because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez constantly by the right wing is um, berated for not getting anything done. So she fortunately posted this tweet here. It says, last January, I was sworn in for my first term in Congress. So what have we accomplished since then? Let's take two-ish minutes to review. AOC, gonna take it away. From the last two years and two or three minutes, and since I'm coming to the end of my first term in office, I thought we'd try to do the same. So two years and two-ish minutes. Uh, so let's set the clock, let's try to do it. Ready? All right, let's go. This term we successfully passed legislation to move $5 million to treatment for opioid addiction with funds shifted from the DEA, $10 million in funds to clean up toxic bombardment sites in Vieques, Puerto Rico, that that is what i'm talking about that is that shit that i am talking about the war on drugs has been a complete failure and to take the overblown budget of the dea and shift it into treating addiction that is based that is as based as you can get and i would expect that from every politician and also cleaning up pollution in puerto rico one of the most forgotten territories of the United States, one that we constantly treat like shit. So much so that Donald Trump went down there after a hurricane to throw paper towels at people. So I'm I'm already overjoyed on this and it's 12 seconds in. Getting people sick. Uh, I repeal the Fair Cloth Amendment in the House, which paves the way for the US to build more public housing for the first time in decades. We need more public housing. Four million Americans are facing eviction caused by a pandemic, not by not pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, but by a virus that has devastated the economy. So it is perfect timing. I'm not sure when she repealed the Fair Cloth Amendment or Act, but great. Public housing needed. Passed legislation in the House to ban funds going to the transfer of lethal military equipment to Bolivia. Uh, introduced nice. more amendments than 90% of freshman lawmakers in the House. I authored and introduced the Green New Deal with Senator Ed Markey. And, and I fully support the Green New Deal. This podcast fully supports the Green New Deal. It is exactly the socioeconomic shift that we need to have in this society. So. 115 House and Senate co-sponsors on it. Regional versions of the Green New Deal were also adopted by 10 local governments, including the state of New Mexico and cities of Austin, Los Angeles, New York City, Boston, and more. We unveiled the Green New Deal. You hear that? Austin adopted uh, a bit of the Green New Deal. And I wonder how many of those right-wingers that just moved there are about to find out deal for public housing, which would invest up to $180 billion over 10 years and create up to a quarter million jobs per year nationwide. Plus public housing. Oh my God. This is too much. Like green energy, public housing, and jobs to build it all? What more do you want? I authored the Just Society suite of bills, which would modernize the federal poverty standard, make immigrants eligible for social safety programs, require federal contractors to pay 15 bucks an hour, strengthen tenant protections, and ease reentry for formerly incarcerated citizens. All I can say is hell yeah. I introduced the Loan Shark Prevention Act with Senator Sanders to, yeah. credit, uh, to cap credit card interest rates at 15%. Which uh, Donald Trump was not interested in whatsoever. I called for the bailout for taxi cab drivers targeted in predatory lending schemes and sought over, uh, tougher oversight in New York City taxi medallion lending. We introduced the COVID-19 Funeral Assistance Act, which would help families get up to 10K in 
funeral expenses who lost loved ones during the pandemic. I co-sponsored 78 pieces of legislation that passed the House, 14 that were signed into law, and that's before we get to our investigations. During committee hearings, my question lines helped pressure Big Pharma into bringing down the, pri the price of PrEP to prevent HIV transmission, exposed Transdime, a defense contractor, into returning $16.1 million in price gouge profits to the public, pressured Facebook. You know what this sounds like? Holding corporates accountable. Book to fact check political ad um, fact checking political advertising and exposed Mark Zuckerberg's dinner parties with radical right wing figures. We got President Trump's former. Which he does, and then he also doesn't care about any uh, hackers, scams, or fake news as long as Facebook gets paid. We just talked about that. Lawyer Michael Cohen to state on the record that uh, President Trump was engaging in tax fraud and to name other potential witnesses. We overturned the unjust citizenship question on the census. We stopped yep. the deportation of whistleblowers from the Irwin County Detention Center and traveled to the border to expose abuse of immigrant families in detention yep. and the inhumanity of child separation. I was nominated twice yep. in the Democracy Awards, which was the first time a member of Congress was recognized in two categories, at home in the Bronx and Queens. We helped over a thousand constituents with... V I don't know if right-wingers can feel, feel this, but she is extremely effective. And if she was to run for president, holy crap, would they shit their britches. EA, Social Security, so much focus on the working class, on immigrants, on uh, public housing. I mean, just so much on uh, corporate accountability. Like, if she was president, I would die happy. I, I, visas and it's other ridiculous. I mean, I am really simping so hard over right now, but it's just mostly over the policy. Nothing, nothing about physical appearance right here. I am simping over these policy actions. Attended over 600 events in the district, hosted 25 town halls, and when our community became the epicenter of the epicenter, we mobilized a full COVID response operation, including 200,000 community check-in calls, 80,000 meals to families in need, 100,000 masks to teachers, small businesses, and essential workers. We organized and launched a homework helpers program and recruited over 11,000 tutors to offer one-on-one -on -one help for kids in remote learning, uh, raised 1.25 million for local organizations doing COVID relief, hosted eight training sessions to teach over 10,000 people how to unionize their workplace, form mutual aid Ooh. networks, and child care collectives during- Ooh. Ooh, mutual aid? Labor unions? Child collectivization? Oh my god. That is some socialist shit right there, boy. Oh man, that Red Scare is going to come hard. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, please do, because the Red Scare is certainly coming. But like, ooh boy. Ooh, she just used she just used the magic words on me. I'm simping so hard. Oh. During COVID and more, we launched a multilingual outreach effort on the census, which brought in over $58 million to our district. On the presidential campaign, I co-chaired the Climate Unity Task Force with Secretary Kerry to help shape President-elect Biden's $2 trillion climate policy. We raised nearly $600,000 for grassroots organizations in uh, Georgia and more than $1.5 million for progressives and swing district Democrats across the country. In my own race, I fended off over $10 million in corporate back-to-tacks without taking a single cent from lobbyists, fossil fuel executives, or corporate money. We won, and I was honored to win re-election with nearly 72% of the vote in the Ooh. highest turnout election that New York 14 has ever seen. 
Whew, okay, that's not everything we accomplished, but it's still a pretty good list. I ran over and it would not have been, but none of this would have been possible without you all, um, your support, small dollar donations. You see how focused that was on American citizens and what they need while holding corporations accountable? And they will cry how she is a radical socialist out to destroy America. They will cry about it. They will cry about it. Now, before I get into the video, I have to highlight here because of the previous episode talking about the second civil war, the second cold war, and possibly the, th the, no, the third red scare. Um, Charlie Kirk's video today, right? So through the right wing echo chamber, where did it go? Where'd you go, Charlie? Ah, all right. Well, Charlie Kirk's show today was called, where did it go? Oh, there he is. Nope, I lost him again. Hold on. Where'd you go, Charles? There he is. His episode for today was, and I quote, the Democrat Civil War Bruise. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Democrat Civil War. It's not the right wing that's been talking about it all the time. Especially since Ben Shapiro's show today was called, give me one second. Is Secession Upon Us? So we covered Rush Limbaugh talking about it yesterday. We talked about uh, Crowder thinking McCarthy was right. And uh, here is Ben Shapiro's show with Is Secession Upon Us? Um, I'm not, I don't think there's a specific video that I wanted to get into from Ben, but yep, it's out there. It's right there. I'm sure he'll have like a shorter segment that I can get into. And then Crowder had one today. Um, that was, where to go? Oh, here it is. Because I also talked about yesterday, so, uh, YouTube had a new policy on spreading, like, misinformation when it comes to the 2020 election results. And I had predicted, well, I think Crowder's going to jump on this opportunity because he always has this kind of beef with YouTube and uh, saying that they censor him. Well, this video was recommended to me, not in this page, but it was on my phone, and that's how I know about it. It says, hey, YouTube, ban this. Can, we, can you even think about voter fraud? Because... YouTube's the thought police is what he's going for. But see, I'm never wrong, ever. I know exactly where the right wing is going to go. And so long as I do this podcast, I will be able to project or predict their projection. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very funny that Charlie Kirk is calling it the Democrat Civil War when literally it's just the right wing echo chamber that consistently talks about it all the time. Like Tim Pool said it so many times leading up to the 2020 election. Like I honestly almost believed him that it was coming. And then of course, with the YouTube focusing in on, uh, the, the whole, um, election debacle and trying to quell disinformation that is going out there, Crowder being one of the channels who really focused in on it, of course he would have this segment called, Hey, YouTube ban this, you know, because it, it actually gets him the attention that he so craves, he craves it. And let me see even Fox News if they had something like that. Let me see, let me see, let me see. 
Oh, that's good. I don't see Fox News reporting anything. Uh anything about a civil war, so that's good. It's mostly staying on the fringes. Just on the filaments of the right wing echo chamber. Um and yeah, so you know, I, I had talked about it that there is a growing anti left sentiment in the right sphere. And it grows every day, and it's been growing for a while, but the divide is so deep that they actually are thinking from Rush Limbaugh to Ben Shapiro that secession is coming, which would probably mean a civil war. And so, why do we have to talk about that? Well, there's a video here by Young Rippa, and it doesn't have too many views, but it did catch my eye, because it says socialism, a philosophy for the envious and unproductive. Now, for the envious not really sure but the thing about like socialism i think and especially with like social uh echo socialism um there is um the belief or idea that unproductive people should be held uh to the same level of value as productive people and that's just simply because they're people our society, our capitalist society, is obsessed with making sure that we have productive people who contribute to society, lest they become undesirable. And so, I found this interesting. I haven't watched the video yet, going in completely cold here. But it did grab my attention here, because socialism, we're not, you know, any socialist isn't envious of the rich's wealth. Uh, of their luxurious lifestyle. It's more about egalitarianism and making sure that there is equal outcome for the equal opportunity that supposedly exists. So I have this video. It doesn't have too many views. I don't think he's that big in the right wing echoes chamber, but I still want to touch upon it and make content out of it for this podcast. Because I need you guys to understand what's going on. Sometimes um, I think whether it be libertarians, especially, but conservatives as well, are too, uh, they think they're too smart for their really own good. Um, and, and that sort of manifests itself in ways that make them sort of culturally inept. And they have this inability to be able to oh, wow. read what is, is um, in the room. Let's say, let's say that. Socialism, let's talk about that. And. Obviously, it's very attractive to a lot of young folk. You see a lot of young folk my age um, and younger. I just want to say, though, that Karl Marx um, had seen capitalism as a good stepping stone for socialism because capitalism was able to lift us past a scarcity um, timeline where industrial... I mean, everything as the, the whole industrial revolution and automation led us well beyond scarcity. And so we are now living in a post scarcity, uh, society. And if you don't believe me, then why do we have the produces in our grocery stores year round? It shouldn't really even be possible if we were on depending on the, the, the seasons of the, the, of the planet, you know, normally we, we had to depend on the season and a good harvest in order to have enough food nowadays, no such thing. In fact, I can't remember the exact numbers, but America wastes a lot of food. We have more cows and chickens than we do citizens, like twice the amount. I'm pretty sure. So we do have the means to feed every, uh, 
every person on the planet. Uh, but of course, the concentration of wealth and the greed of those who control that wealth uh, keep us from achieving the potential that we could have, which is socialism, where, uh, you know, redistribution of wealth allows more egalitarianism to spread. And that's what Karl Marx had seen with capitalism is that now that we've lifted ourselves from uh, the, the scarcity and wondering when the next meal is going to come or if the harvest is good enough, now that we have enough for everyone, we should use socialism to spread it around and uh, allow the workers and citizens to have much more democratic power in their government and for the workers to have more democratic power in their businesses because in, and i've said this in the podcast before that most businesses have an authoritarian uh, hierarchical system to almost all of them almost every business and so socialism is supposed to be the step after capitalism after we leave the the, the scarcity days when we didn't know if harvest was going to be enough you know, the AOCs of the world, I always point to her because I think she is a representative of my generation because her and I are the exact same age. And they, uh, you know, they've made this sort of thing very attractive. This is a socialistic, communistic sort of idea. And I think you guys need to understand where this stems from. At first, we got to start. It's two big things that I think it stems from. But there are a lot of unproductive people in this world. And I don't think you guys understand that. A lot of unproductive people that uh, I guess when the technology we are, we live in this technological digital age. Let's, let's start with that. I just want to say that like, for the most part, artists are pretty unproductive. They are good for generating money, especially for say like record labels for musicians, um, because people pay to go to the concerts and they have to pay the salaries of, you know, the engineers and the techs who, um, you know, do the, the sound quality and all of that for the shows and the recording. Um, but they're generating like vast amounts of wealth that isn't necessary at all. Um, and it isn't even very fair for the artists a lot of the time. Uh, but artists tend to be on that unproductive side, mainly because their art only produces that art, which doesn't actually have any utility to it other than entertainment and enjoyment. So consider entertainment to go into that unproductive section. We're not just talking about lazy people, but you know, honestly, like another thing is, is that if we have a society that can provide enough and you have people who just want to enjoy Netflix, I honestly don't give two fucks, especially with a society that already has more than enough. We don't need everybody working. And it's this idea that we have to have people chained to working in order to be able to exist in this society. Um, and that means you have to work or starve. And because of that, a lot of folks want things there and they want it now. They want it instantly, instantaneous. And that's what a lot of the market has allowed them to, whether it be the Amazons of the world, you can get things and get it relative. Yeah, the market dictated that. The market showed that people would pay more for convenience. And so they do. And convenience has taken over everything. You know, it's all about the more convenient, the better. And that's a product of capitalism, not a fault of socialism. Or fast. any generation that's sort or of the attitude that's adopted by a lot of folks in which they want it then and they want it now, um, be it in success, um, more, so, more so financial success, be able to get everything it is that they. But again, like the capitalist, like American dream is to 
um, make as much money as you can without having to do much work. That's essentially why people make it to the top so they can do less work but earn more money. That's the whole idea behind the American dream. They want they want it now. And a lot of folks don't produce in the sense that they want to, um, you know, build the framework, the groundwork, if you will, to be able to live a life of that sort of comfort. So the reason why of that sort of comfort. But when we talk about socialism, it's providing everybody with a house so that they have shelter and providing this is bare minimum, you know, of course, if you're going to build a society, you really have to go in the full scope of what everybody needs, but you need a house, shelter, and you need food. And if we can provide those things because they are not scarce and we have the resources to do so, then why do it for a profit? Why gouge people out for the money aspect of it when it's actually just a necessity for people to live a comfortable life, to have a house and to have food? Socialism is so attractive to them because it gives them a means, or at least they think, to live that lifestyle while having been unproductive. Again, no. Uh, I'm just going to say no. No, because he, he must believe that socialism is when the government does stuff. That's not what it is. It's the workers seizing the means of production, meaning that they have more bargaining or negotiation power, if not uh, full control of the um, ins and outs of the company, that the CEO doesn't dictate everything for everyone, that everybody has a say in it. Um, so, you know, it, socialism doesn't lead to unproductivity because so long as there are... Um, you know, so long as there is jobs that need to be done, I am sure that there will be people who are willing to do those jobs. And if somebody does the job and then gets greedy about it, says, well, I did the work for it, completely voluntary. We could have found somebody who wasn't uh, greedy and was okay with taking about the same amount of food as somebody who was unproductive. Each according, uh, wh what is the uh, the quote from... The Communist Manifesto, I think it was each according to its needs. There's a specific quote here. Um, from each according to his ability to each according to his needs. So, um, yep. So they blame, you know, the rich folk. They blame all of the, you know, the business owners and, and, and what have you. Because of concentrated wealth and also their crony capitalist business practices, yes. Sing not is a not not because they're not be just because they're rich, but because they choose to hold their wealth either in offshore bank accounts or in other assets that are completely unuseful to the society around them. Very attractive thing. They even speak of taxing in a way that is it's almost like we want to get back at you. That's kind of how they look at taxing, and they look at it as the no. Nope. This transfer of wealth um, to, let's say, demographics that don't have as much. So they love taxation. They say, well, this person isn't taxed enough. So we, we need to tax them more and therefore we'll be. And that's because Amazon got a negative 1% tax rate in 2019, meaning they got a tax rebate, meaning they got paid. They should be paying their taxes. And it has nothing to do with envy. They should be paying their taxes. Be able to. Uh, I just want to highlight here that like most average American citizens paid more in taxes than Donald Trump did in the past like two decades.
um, give this person a house, give this person food, give this person and their family, whatever it is that they need and want access to healthcare, everything. As if that's a bad thing, as if humans shouldn't just have what they need. Wow. As if you got to earn what you need to survive. That is the meritocracy that we live in. That if you are not productive to earn your house to which you need to sleep, then you are not worthy. That is the issue. That is the crux of it. There is nothing of like, fuck that rich person for being rich. It's the fact that we hold people to these standards and we have 4 million facing eviction. And as much as I hate to say it, I think streaming also is a, is a big part of that, believe it or not, for a certain particular demographic. A lot of young folk don't seem to understand when it comes to like being a what you would deem as a content creator. In order to make money, enough money to like house a family, like that's the upper echelon of, of the content creators and it sucks because of the society that we live in, because of the market, because of capitalism. What, what is really at fault here? Because I see all these young folks wanting to get into like streaming and, and they obviously or podcasts. This is why I think Twitch's culture is so socialistic and communistic in itself because it attracts <laughs> that kind of people who think that, okay, I want to sit in front of a screen and play video games all day. It's that easy. Ninja does it. <laughs> yeah. But the market, the market dictated that that was profitable because people are willing to sit there and donate to fucking Twitch streamers. Like again, this is a capitalist problem, not a socialist problem as if like, Becoming a, a fucking streamer automatically makes you a socialist. Like, get the fuck out of here. And uh, I should be able to be wealthy and taken care of. And then they start the little crap Twitch channels that'll never get off the ground because they don't even. You could say that about any business that you start. You could say that about any business. Even possess the 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 capacity to be able to do that. But it also is indicative. In, in, in like that sort of profession, if that's what you want to call it, it's not many people that are going to do that and eat off of it. Like there's just the reality of the situation. You could say that about literally anything that has to deal with being in the entertainment industry. You could say that about actors. You could say that about musicians. You could say that about painters. You could say that about this guy who is doing exactly what he's condemning, even though he's not playing video games. He's just talking into a mic. Shouts out to me. But that's not anything that um, unfortunately people are telling them is stuff that they need to hear, but they're not telling them that they're not telling them that uh, you have to be in the upper echelon. It's very rare. It's like sports, right? It's very rare. Cause it's better to see someone's dreams and then nip that in the bud before it really flowers. Rare that you're going to come in in this space and be able to exist and make a lot of money off of it. You could say that about any business, any business or entrepreneurship. You could say that. So I don't really know what we're even focused on here and what this has to do with socialism. So go be a productive person elsewhere in things that you have a better, better off, um, let's say, chance in, in becoming great and being great. All right. We got to. We got to look at this. Googling. Um, let's see.
Let's see, let's see. Uh, historic data shows how likely Americans are to outturn their parents. Oh, they misspelled it, out-earn their parents, a key part of the so-called American dream. The study suggests that it's becoming harder to achieve this dream. Stagnating wages and income equality are just two factors behind this. And it has a wonderful graph of percentage of people earning more than their parents. And it's just taken a hard fucking dip. It's taken a hard dip. Uh, the decline of upward mobility in one chart. For decades, a majority of Americans have been able to climb the economic ladder by earning higher incomes than their parents. These improving conditions are known as upward mobility and form an important part of the American dream. However, each consecutive generation is finding it harder to make this ascent. In this graphic, we illust illustrate the decline in upward mobility over five decades using data. And it drops hard. And Gen X, which was born in 1980, started uh, at a lower percentile than those of the silent generation in 1940. So, um, let me see here. Chance of out-earning parents, bottom percentile. The bottom percentile in 1980 was 79%. Uh, chance of out-earning parents in the top income percentile is 8%. So the uh, there's definitely more research to do here. That uh, upward mobility has been taking a downturn. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Showing rising levels of income equality. The research measures mobility based on the odds of a child from the bottom 20% of the income bracket reaching the top 20%. Chetty explains this measure as a quantifiable articulation of the American dream. Let's see. Do, 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 In Memphis, only 2.8% of children born in the bottom fifth will ever reach the top fifth 2.8 percent <laughs> so yeah upward mobility um is extremely hard in this country regardless regardless it's it's always been a very rare occurrence great but work is not something that they value the teachers they these rotten sort of and also there's a lot of jobs that you could do that end up not having that upward mobility. Like if I started working in the factory of Amazon, the highest I would probably make it is to a manager of that facility. Public school systems have beat in their head that they got to go to college, right? They have to uh, go through their sort of, of, of uh, it's a chain of command, right? They, they pass on K through 12. They then pass you on to the other indoctrination camp in the in the universities. And they say that you have to do this, which is sort of the culture that they create. You have to do this in order to be successful. Of course, that's bull crap. It's one of the many things that I learned um, very fast uh, being in information technology. Unfortunately, though, the studies are not on his side. The studies do show that if you go to college, you tend to earn higher wages than those who did not go to college. So. In which, you know, half of the people that were making six digits um, six figures, rather, were not, they didn't go to college. They had hella certs. They had certifications and, and, and what have you, but they weren't going through the, the college. They weren't majoring in computer science or, or whatever it was. 
um, nonsensical, nonsensical degree. And by the t- <laughs> did he just say computer science is a nonsensical degree? My homie uh, got a computer science degree, and um, there, like, he found a, a recent article i think microsoft was like offering scholarships to send kids to school for that specific degree and also the wages are really high for those jobs because there's not enough people in that market to fill those jobs so there's actually a shortage in supply of those jobs because there's not enough people to take them even though there's a very high demand for them so what the fuck (laughs) He just said that computer science is a nonsensical degree when that is literally the future of this economy. Like, Yuval Noah Harari would probably back me up on that. The time, you know, they come out 18, out of high school or whatever, and then they start working on these certifications. And while you're in college sitting here learning a bunch of a bunch of bull crap, they're actually getting experience in the in the field. It's an expensive College wasn't for me, but I'm not going to say that, you know, everything you learn in college is a bunch of bullcrap. That's some right wing shit right there, especially when he said that colleges are indoctrination camps. That's that's some real right winger shit right there that, you know, you're anti intellectual mess. I think it's a scam, of course. Partially, a lot of that is because, you know, the the state is subsidizing it. So I think it's a scam because it holds, uh, you know, students in debt for years on years and years up to decades. Uh, My dad went to school when he was in his 20s and then just now paid off his student loans and he's in his 50s. So same thing with everything else in which the state creates a problem. They create an issue. Where they uh, got in a grant in the loan business. The cost of college goes up. They pile up all of these debt. These socialistic idiots who uh, they, they pile up all of these debt. All this amount of debt. <laughs> he's connecting dots that uh, aren't really uh, connectable. He's, he's doing uh, thought gymnastics. And I don't know where socialists came in there. Because socialists have never really held power in our government. And then what do they do? They say that, well, it now needs to be free, right? It it was a problem that was more so artificially uh, um, created, right? It's free in so many of the wealthy nations on the planet that it should be free in one of the wealthiest nations of the planet, especially one that has, say, a lack of supply for a certain job market. Because maybe if you sent more kids to school for free, more of them would see that, oh, they need more computer science majors, and then they would take it, and we would have more computer science majors who would then, and here's here's the hook for right-wingers, who would then be able to go into the job market and compete in the tech industry against China, who probably sends all of their people to college for free. Wait, let me let me just do, let me look that up before I spread fake news. Well, reported in 2016, it says, why China doesn't have a student debt problem? (laughs) Let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Where are you at? Where are you at? In China, it's a very different situation. Student debt is virtually non-existent. According to tuition.io, the average cost of tuition a year in China is $2,200 compared to $8,400. 
or $8,240 for public and $28,500 for private schools in the U.S. You save about $6,000 going to college in China. Right? But it all starts with this idea that they're owed this sort of standard of living. And they're envious... And I do think that every human being who is born on this planet, if you are pro-life, you would want to give every human being a house and food. They, they, they are owed that. They are owed that. Of those Rosie. that have that standard Rosie. of living. Social oh my God, my dog is barking. Hold on, I'll be right back. Not during the podcast, damn it, Rosie. No, you can't come back in. You have, you wanted to go say hi, now go say hi. Back to it. Socialism is is a philosophy for those that are envy. I know I'm all over the place right now, and that's fine. I, I, all of this connects. But it's, it, it's for envious and unproductive people. They're the most attracted to socialism. For the envious and the most unproductive people that feel as if they are automatically owed a higher standard of living. There are productive socialists and there are socialists who are not envious, unless we're talking about envious of people who have homes or envious of people who have food. They are owed 54 million Americans going hungry during this holiday season. I feel like those 54 million are owed food. Things that be paid for or, 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 or by the, the the taxpayer, if you will. So their neighbor should be subsidizing everything it is. And it, it, it rids them of all the responsibility, even when they talk about. Yeah, but then it shifts responsibility on the citizen of taking care of their neighbor. It's living by the words of Jesus Christ. Love thy neighbor. Let's say. Um, Health care. Notice that it doesn't come with this whole they want to mandate. Uh, certainly more so force you to pay for it, right? The state controlling all the health care, you being able to, uh, you don't have to pay for it or anything. The state pays for it. That's what they want. Notice they don't ever want to mandate that they be required to be in the best shape that they can possibly be in, right? Because why? <laughs> why? What do you mean? What? What? Do you, what? 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 If, what? I, I can't even I can't even address that because that is just so illogical. That's like what? They never do that. Uh, everybody can have free health care so long as you all uh, exercise four hours a day, eat nothing but vegetables, and uh, avoid drinking and smoking, and you can all have health care. Is the is the stipulation here when it's just give them fucking health care? It's not mandated diet right it's not mandated exercising or anything like that no you got these coke drinking and coke snorting sometimes uh fat asses who's sitting here riding on damn walmart carts um uh, you know in the motorized and we shouldn't blame coca-cola for coming out with a recipe that gives a lot of americans diabetes we should blame the people who drink them and enjoy them it's their fault that they enjoy coca-cola not coca-cola's fault for purposefully releasing a recipe that is uh, dangerous to Americans' health. Fries joints, 
and them the ones that's asking for they out of shape chumps sitting there asking for the state to subsidize their bad behavior. I am in great shape, not great shape, but I'm in good shape. I'm in I can't even remember the last time I had to call in sick, and I still want health care for everyone, regardless of their pre-existing conditions. I want health care for this man as well, who doesn't seem to be in as great shape as me. I am in fantastic shape compared to this man. Notice that it doesn't come with, okay, you should be forced, let's say, to be in shape so that you don't, you know, increase. Yeah, yeah that'll, that'll stop all medical conditions if everybody's just in shape. That'll stop every medical condition ever. It's your... Let's say that I don't want you to say capabilities. It's more so you're increasing the likelihood of you needing to go to the doctor for reasons that were in your control, by the way, right? Because that's where it all starts. Your health starts. Yeah, yeah. Cancer is totally in your control all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's there's nobody born with uh, diabetes. Oh yeah, multiple sclerosis. Yeah, that doesn't just happen in the middle of someone's life for no reason. Start is in your own hand. Yes, some of us, you know, you're born with diseases and and stuff that you can't control. My aunt is like one of the healthiest people I know, and her kidney failed her, and now she's going to be in debt for the surgery. Vast majority of this stuff, when you talk about actual preventative care, actual preventative care has nothing to do or little to do with actually going to the doctor. Preventative care has to do with what you consume. Yeah, but, you know, blood work would be great, a great start towards preventative care because the more exams that you can get, the earlier you can catch a disease or a cancer and have it eliminated beforehand. So, uh, this this is actually very frustrating. Right, what you, with the type of foods you consume, and if you're getting your fat ass up to go work out. Yeah, yeah, if everybody worked out, then they wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't need to do health care. And then you drop uh, the, 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 the bench press bar on your chest and your back breaks, which happened to my brother. Well, you, got, you better pay that bill, dude. That's your fault. That's preventative care. Notice none of that's on the table. None oh, my God. Now my dog's barking at me. Oh, Rosie, you really starting one. Oh, you really starting one. Get that attitude with me. Right. I want no more attitude for the rest of the show, Rose. All right? No more. No more attitude. Damn, dogs are radical. None of that's on the table. They don't even talk about that as a thing that we need to discuss when talking about free health care. No, because they want you to subsidize their bad behavior. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. It's not what it is, especially when you get like older, you know, like senior citizen, your health just deteriorates in general. So, um, you know, we're looking out for them, too. It's not necessarily about people who have bad habits, quote unquote bad behavior rids them of responsibility yeah yep so they can eat like yeah as soon as we uh have free health care for everybody everybody's just gonna start smoking like a pack of cigarettes a day for sure yeah that's exactly what's gonna happen if they want to and if it manifests itself into ways that require them to go to the doctor or the hospital constantly 
Well, they want you to pay for it. There's medical conditions that happen from a variety of reasons that have nothing to do for your personal choices. I just have that to repeat it. That can be said for a multitude of different avenues and, 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 and just the socialistic idea. It is a philosophy for productive and envious people. People that want what folk already have and what folk earn and what folk work for. So folks should earn health care. Okay. I don't know this moronic idea that all the millionaires or all the people that are well off are like these trust fund babies. Not only is it objectively false, you'd be surprised in the high percentage of millionaires that were self-made. All right. Let's let's get surprised then. Percentage of self-made millionaires. Most of today's millionaires weren't born into their wealth. Research shows a study by Fidelity Investments, who found that 88% of millionaires are self-made millionaires. Overall, the research revealed that current millionaires are on average 61 years old with $3.05 million in assets. 55% of billionaires apparently are self-made, but that's taking an account across the globe. Hmm. 88%, huh? Alright. Right? They didn't have a mother or father that was rich. Self-made millionaires. They don't understand that that's a very high... And then we have this here that says how many millionaires actually inherited their wealth by Chris Hogan. Um, uh, did he do only 21% of millionaires received any inheritance at all? Just 16% inherited more than a hundred thousand dollars and 3% received an inheritance or above $1 million. It says 74. Yeah. All right. No, 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 they don't, they don't care to. Instead, what their professional academics, which is what a lot of these Marxists are, right? They're guys, and you, you, you wonder why, I'm going to deviate a little bit. You wonder why, when you look at um, Marxists, let's say, or, or socialistic professors, these, I would consider them unproductive people as well. <laughs> they wouldn't think that. But they're, what, what do they produce aside from being career academics with, with <laughs> worthless degrees, which the only thing they can do with the degree. <laughs> Knowledge and information is completely useless and unproductive. Got it. Degree is teach other crackheads who get in the same degree. That's and it's, it's not as if like corporations or presidents, political leaders, or anybody benefits from the things that they study and theorize on. Mm-hmm. It. It's not a demand for it. Why do you think they are the biggest protectors of the state and the biggest protectors of, let's say, taxation? Because who subsidizes them? Who subsidizes their profession? If we got rid of that, let's say if the state got completely out of the grant and loan business and the state got completely out of education, Department of Education gets completely like abolished. 
Let's say that that was the case. A lot of these fools that work at the 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 the, the universities teaching your knothead kids would be out on the streets. The ones that are worth a damn wouldn't. Why do you think they're the biggest protectors of that institution? Uh, you know, that's an interesting through line there, but I think that after studying these things, they kind of find that socialism is a better uh, solution to the widening income inequality going on in this nation. I feel like that's probably their focus more than uh, feeling envious or whatever. They're the propaganda wing of the state is what we generally see them as. But when it comes intellectuals or propagandists, got it to why folks feel like this, like privatization is a bad thing. Uh, um, freer markets are a bad thing and because markets, when left unregulated, will do whatever they want to maximize their profits. And when you privatize uh, public goods, then you have, say, housing um, used only to make profits and not to house. And then the state, which is attributed to socialistic ideals, these um, making things more expensive through taxation, through regulation. And also Marx believed that socialism was a stepping stone for communism when you would eventually eliminate the state and wages. So, um, yeah, I don't think he understands socialism to a full extent. Um, he probably, he really does. It definitely seems that he believes socialism is when the government does stuff. And then they blame the capitalists when it hits the fan, which is hilarious. No man or woman in America can sit here and look at the copious amounts, dubious amounts, the numerous amounts of of uh, of regulations, things that that hinder people's ability to be able to freely move about in the market, business licensing, taxation, the regulations, all of that. No man or woman can sit there and objectively look at that and how much of it exists in this country and sit here and act like we got any semblance of, of free market capitalism or anything like that in this country. You'd be a damn fool. You'd be a liar. And a lot of you are. There are, there are regulations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, is that if we actually had a free market, I'm sure Monopoly would have, you know, a lot of companies would have monopolized a lot sooner and then we would have a much more concentrated wealth than we do now. So the government has kind of stagnated it a little bit, not too much, not too heavily, but they definitely have slowed the monopolization of, uh, you know, of uh, commodities and things sold on the market um but apparently we're like anti-monopoly but you know you still see it happening but when you are an unproductive person a lot of y'all who are young folk like me you know a lot of folks like that right i know a lot of folks who are fucking unproductive as as all get out right they don't like it's a certain kind of to be where i'm at and and i'm not trying to hype myself up. i just wish y'all kind of understood the journey to get into the position that I'm in right now and the amount of work that I had to do. And even to this day, waking up early, working out and then and then getting the day started, like all oh, what y'all see coming to fruition. Yeah, I got I recently got a team to help with some of the edits and, and, and all of that stuff. But this show right here, this is all a one man show. I got the stream deck on deck like I'm doing all of this is a one man show. Me too, buddy. Right. I'm doing this. I edit my videos. 
I'm the one scheduling the posting. I'm the one doing all of that. You know, like that's 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 up like it, it takes up the bulk of my day. Right. This is an actual I'm not just sitting there. Oh, press and record. And I go fucking eat Cheetos or something like off off stream. Like, no, I record. Then I got to plug it in. Sony Vegas. Well, now Magic's Vegas. DaVinci Resolve. And I'm sitting there editing stuff. Getting like I do all that myself. And. So that's on top of doing this TV stuff that I do with like Blaze. That's on top of all the ghost. Uh, there it is. He does Blaze TV stuff. Shouts out to Steven Crowder, who also works for Blaze TV. There it is. There it is. I was wondering why this was, you know, uh, recommended to me. And that's there. There it is. And stuff that I still do as a, as, as a legitimate form of income. Right. And still taking care of the house and make it like all, all of that stuff is what I do right now. Oh, man. And that makes him so much more worthy than anybody who doesn't fit up to his standards. Oh, my God. And it was a long journey to even get a following in that regard, because I was in the private sector at, at, at working a regular job for a very long time. You're still in the private sector. What, what does he think the public sector is? Being a gym, uh, you know, being an AGM and a general manager for gym in the gym industry. Right. Like I worked. For some of y'all that may know me from back then when I was still doing when I was just, you know, Right before backwards, you know, when I was in fire and doing it, you see probably me posting stuff, talking about me working. You, you guys remember that while I work at the gym and my overnight, my overnight would quit on me or something or my overnight wouldn't show up. Who the motherfucker that got to come show up to go work overnight at a 24 hour gym after just worked 12 hours? This guy. Right. So then I'm there going into the next day, 10, 8, 10, 10 p.m. going into 8 a.m. doing Look at him praising the capitalist system because he had to work hard. All right, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's a product of the system, not necessarily. Uh, you know, yeah. He's 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 doing apologist for for the system, and uh, you know, it's the capitalist system that demanded that he cover those shifts and also uh, work his twelve-hour day before covering the shift. Um, so if we were to rework the system and which would probably re rework society and how it runs, uh, he might've actually had his overnight show up because he felt, um, invested in the job because it, the means of production would be in his hands. Everything that the, that, that, that was expected of the, Oh, y'all know how many times that I had to, had to do that. for those of you that knew me back then, I worked. But there's a lot of folks that don't want to do that. And a lot of folks look at that as a... I believe that a lot of folks don't have to do that and shouldn't have to do that. Not that I don't want to. Part of me doesn't want to because I have a lot of interests that I want to get into all the time. Uh, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that you have to continually earn a wage to earn your living in, in, in existence. Means of oppression. A lot of them hate their jobs. Because they are bums. Mm. No, it's called alienation, and uh, Marx went pretty heavy into it in his Das Kapital, I'm pretty sure. So if you want to get a better understanding of it, learn Collar Marx's alienation. Because even though people are employed, they are feeling extremely alienated from their work because they don't have uh, power within their hands to control their day. So once they get to that certain point, why are you really going to give a fuck about a job when the job could really give a fuck about you?
and socialism in itself, that's attractive to them. Because it puts the means of production in the hands of the laborers. Yes. Because they're not providers. They're not. Pro- I get, yeah, he doesn't know what socialism is. He thinks it's just the government handing out stuff for free. Like market socialism would need uh, workers co-ops, which means that everybody, you know, given enough time in the business, enough investment, uh, they are actually going to have a significant equity and then also say. So democracy is then spread within the workplace, which is a, currently authoritarian. Productive. They've made bad decisions. They put themselves in economic uh, poor economic situations and they want folks to bail them out. Albert Einstein was a socialist and he also wrote an essay called Why Socialism? So if he wants to talk about unproductive people being uh, uh, unproductive, if he wants to talk about socialists being unproductive, then he needs to take a look at the father of relativity and the creator of the atom bomb that changed the world. It changed the entire fucking world and he was a socialist. That's why socialism is so attractive. And the minute you understand that, the better you can navigate sort of what we're dealing with. We're not. Socialism is attractive because it looks as if it could cure a lot of the ailments that have gone on in this society that have been uh, really grown from the capitalist system that has ruled over us for hundreds of years now. Not because of envy and unproductiveness but because there are serious issues with this system and socialism focuses in on alleviating those issues dealing with people who who want to be free we are dealing with folks and this pandemic should have showed all of y'all we are dealing with folks that want to live off the state they want to be funded by by you and the people that are actually productive They don't care about the economic consequences. They don't give a damn about that. You not having enough money for your kids to leave off to your family? Who cares? Which is happening right now for 54 million Americans underneath a capitalist system. Four more Americans are facing eviction under a capitalist system. They want to be taken care of by you. And we should take care of those people because they are our fellow citizens and we should feel the responsibility of those around us. I am actually genuinely frustrated by his um, unawareness of what actual socialism is. They'd never learned a skill that was worth a damn that could make themselves competitive in the actual job market. What philosophy would allow them to... Right, right. Because if everybody has a job, then problem solved. To be what they would believe to be taken care of socialism. Where the state gets in the way of privatization. Because they want to make sure that you are taken care of. And that's how the socialism, the socialists always see them. Yeah, because when you make something a public good uh, or a public program, it's often more cheap and more available to low income families. Themselves as the humanitarian people They want everybody to eat. They want everybody to be, uh, you know, taken care of. Though a lot of them are unproductive. And this is why it's not like a meme. If I don't know if you've seen some of these weirdos actually in in person most of them you got a bunch of high academics so they're paid for by the (laughs) state anyway right a bunch of a bunch of academics career academics meaning they're professional 
professional students is essentially what they are, right? Yeah, because they studied a, a a piece of education and theories and information. They, they 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 made that their skill, as if that's not a skill to know things. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Who are paid by the state one way or the other? Um, also, no, those no no. Um, a lot of them actually still pay tuition. What? <sighs> and this is why you have them and you have fools that are virtually they have nothing no skill set that makes them valuable in the market so they work jobs that they hate and they look at that as a means of oppression well this job that basically anybody can do flip a patty at a fast food restaurant they should be Paying me a quote unquote living wage to subsidize myself and my six kids or whatever that I have. Never what subsidize? It's being paid a wage from the people who take that surplus value and put it in their pocket. What? What? The state wouldn't pay for fifteen dollar minimum wage like the companies would. Never mind that virtually it's a skill set that anybody can learn. So there's a giant pool economics is it gets in the way to them honestly though like if 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 uh if a job needs to be done and you're going to pay somebody to do that job pay them a living wage especially if they have a family otherwise hire someone who doesn't have a family so then you can pay them lower knowing that they don't have those who are counting on them there's no reason that somebody should work 40 hours at McDonald's and then have to go work a second job in order to feed their kids. That is nonsense because then they don't even see their kids. They just want to be taken care of. Everybody just wants to be taken care of. They're unproductive people. And unproductive people love socialism. Envious. I have a job. And I love socialism. Yeah, I know other people who have jobs who love socialism. So uh, it is not just an unproductive thing. He's, he's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he, I, I, he's uninformed. He's ill-informed, in fact. But of course, he works for Blaze TV, so I should have expected this much. Yes, it's people who sit there and see the rich man that had had worked his ass off to get in the position that he's in. They think that he should be taxed. Jeff Bezos hasn't worked his ass off in a minute. Like meetings are not working your ass off compared to the people who work in his factories for eight to 12 hours a day. And I feel like he would say that if he was in his gym working 12 hours a day on the floor and he saw his manager constantly having business meetings and he was like, man, that guy's working so hard. Then he's licking the boot. That's licking the boot. And accepting the the way things are rather than being like, you know what? That's fucked up more so that they can subsidize their bummy ass. That's the way they look at it. Me. No, it's not. I'm going to end on this note in terms of I'm a I'm a capitalist. And I'm a guy oh, that advocates a free market, true libertarianism. Privatization, absolute private property rights. Is something that I hold dear. And the reason being is because I personally find it liberating. Because I know 
And if and let me remind you that every business is structured in the shape of a authoritarian hierarchy system. So it's not liberating whatsoever, especially when workers don't have any democratic power in their workplace. That's where socialism comes in and liberates the workers to allow them to have more democratic say in their business. If we lived in this society, for the most part, if I'm in a situation that I'm in, I'm in that situation because of what I did. Something that I did. What I what what it was in my control, not passing blame to everybody else. The rich man or the white man uh, sitting around a corner pulling pu the wife man puppet strings or something like that, causing me to be a failure. That's not how I operate. I'm not wired like that. I'm not blaming the rich man just for being rich, and I've already gone over this, so I'm not going to repeat it, but he is just constantly mischaracterizing how people genuinely feel about socialism and also the status of the society that we live in today. I want the power in my own hand. I don't want to pass off the obligation to another man or a woman. That's not he's, he's wrong. He's just so wrong because socialism does give power to the people. It's about direct democracy. Not what I want to do. I want to build this sort of generational wealth, intergenerational wealth, pass on to my kid, my own personal legacy, and I don't want to pass that obligation on to other folks. His kids and only his kids, because we just feel no connection to the society around us whatsoever. So when people say that they care about America, it's mainly just the idea of America and how it benefits them and not the citizenry that lives in it and actually makes up what is America. Just wanted to highlight that there because, wow, that is grotesque selfishness. And that to me is a liberating thing. Now, it requires a lot of accountability. It requires a lot of responsibility. To yourself to the socialists that's absolutely scary because god it's not scary it's obvious that you're greedy be it you be responsible for your actions god forbid you be held accountable for what you did right you what the did fuck does that have to do you with became anything an unproductive person you didn't work you i'm just gonna say it again albert einstein socialist george orwell socialist Try to become, uh, uh, you know, uh, put all your stock in, in into something else that was never going to work out for you. You you did that. There is a philosophy for those types that not only they get to present themselves as heroes or humanitarians, but they also get to rid themselves of any sort of responsibility, any sort of accountability. Socialism is a philosophy for the envious and a philosophy for the bums. And the bums will always lose. Ugh. God, he was so bad. He was so bad. I wanted to look up famous socialists just to see if I could find... Some, like, famous people that were socialists. Yep, there's George Orwell, Albert, Ernst, uh, Albert Einstein, Helen Keller, Pablo Picasso... Just to name a few. Martin Luther King. Those those were those three people are bums, right? Let's see. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know that. I don't know that person. 
Emma Goldman, who was a writer, very political writer. Howard Zinn wrote plays. Um, oh yeah, Noam Chomsky, but of course that couldn't fit on the list because he's one of those subsidized intellectuals. Oscar Wilde, <laughs> W.E.B. Du Bois, who would probably also be considered a, a, a subsidized intellectual, but he, it's, he's just, he just flat out lied for 20 minutes about what socialism is, and it's not that. So to close out and quote a famous socialist, Richard Wolff, that's what we're going to do. Socialism is when the government does stuff. And it's more socialism, the more stuff it does. And if it does a real lot of stuff, it's communism. I, ho I just hope that everybody is being aware that Richard Wolff was being sarcastic. And if you're not familiar with Richard Wolff, please go to his channel, Democracy at Work, where he is constantly breaking down uh, the economics of today. And he has great theories, and he's one of the uh, great socialist intellectuals out there. So go listen to Richard Wolff rather than uh, Young Ripa 59 because Richard Wolf, Professor Richard Wolf, subsidized Professor Richard Wolf knows more than young Ripa 59, especially when it comes to the subject of socialism. But that is it. That is today's episode of Fox News. Uh, oh, I just said Fox. Wow. Oh, I hope I don't get sued. All right. Well, that's been it for Talks News and my brain melting on recording. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, radical, subsidized unproductive day you have earned it <laughs>